two lessons uh, to go with today's sermon. The first, a very short epistle, and then a gospel lesson. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then from Matthew. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus said, not seven times, but I tell you, seven, seventy-seven times. This is the word of the Lord. We started talking last Sunday about this business about forgiveness. And we started talking about the nature of God's forgiveness. And I want to continue with that for a while and then move on to this business about learning to forgive ourselves once God has forgiven us. Forgiveness can never be one-dimensional. Obviously, we start with God's forgiveness. That's where all forgiveness has to begin. Until we recognize, receive the depth of the release that comes when God forgives, we can't learn to forgive other people or to accept forgiveness for ourselves. The message of the entire Bible is that God not only forgives our sin, but God treats our sins as if they didn't exist. That's part of what forgiveness means. You heard that in the words of the Old Testament this morning. From Jeremiah, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with my people. I will put my law within them. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Powerful claim. Forgive and not remember. Under the new covenant, God says that He will forgive and forget. And I think that's really what Jeremiah means when he says God will remember sin no more. And that comes from a long-standing line out of the Old Testament that continues to remind us of that. The psalmist writes, For as far as the heavens are from the earth, so great is God's steadfast love toward those who trust Him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgression from us. And if you come over to the New Testament, then you find Jesus who wants us to know what God's forgiveness looks like. And typical Jesus, he tells us a story. And the story he tells that I think epitomizes it best is the one we call the prodigal son. Most of us have some inkling of what that story is. You remember their two brothers. They want to inherit. And the younger brother says, Dad, as far as I'm concerned, you're as good as dead. Give me my share. And off he goes to the far country, leaving family and faith and everything else behind. And when he gets there, after he has spent all his money to make friends, he finds friends aren't made by money. And so he quickly loses them all. And he finds himself in the lowest possible place a good Jewish boy can be. He's slopping the hogs. Feeding pigs is the way the Bible says it. But East Tennessee, we understand that slopping hogs business. And he's hungry enough to eat some of the stuff they're feeding the pigs. That's as low as you can go. 
It really is true. Sometimes you've got to hit rock bottom before you can begin to understand what it means to come back up. And so he thinks about what he's given up and he decides, I'm going to go home and I'm going to confess to the old man and I'm going to get back even if it's nothing more than being the hired hand. And so if, if you remember the story, if you don't, it goes like this. He goes home and the father sees him at a distance and races out to meet him and he declares his forgiveness. This is my son who was lost. And then he says, bring the best robe and put it on him. Now, here's a part of the story you don't hear. Does the father say, take these dirty old rotten clothes that he's been wearing and hang them up out there so every day he has to look at them to remember how generous I've been? No. But we human beings sometimes behave that way. read a story recently, it was following the Second World War, but a minister traveling through Germany, and he was staying with a family that had adopted an orphan, and there were tons of orphans following the war. And so they explain how they've adopted this child, and they're giving him a good home. But the guy goes on to say, he was so poor when he first got here, he didn't even have any shoes except for these worn-out things with holes in the soles. And We've given him everything he has, but in order to remind him how good we've been to him, we keep those old shoes, and when he causes trouble, we show them to him. And the minister said the boy looked kind of ashamed and embarrassed, and he says to the father, aren't you glad God doesn't do that? Aren't you glad God doesn't do that? Remembers our sins no more. We say it in our affirmation after confession so often. The past is finished and gone. Everything becomes fresh and new. But I'm sorry to say we don't often live like we think it's so. We may say it, but boy, it's hard to live like it. A fellow who says he had lived a fairly rough life expressed it this way. He said, I told God, God, I've committed that same sin again. And God said, oh, which one was that? I will forgive their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. Now, obviously, you've got to be very careful here. I absolutely believe that God forgives and in God's own way forgets what we've done, as if it no longer happened. But I also know and you know that there's always consequences to our wrongdoing. And sometimes that con those consequences catch up with us and there's not a thing in the world we can do about it. It's just part of the penalty for having committed whatever we've committed. Years ago when we lived in North Florida, I had the opportunity to use as a speaker in youth group uh, a young man who was, well, he was still in prison, but he was released ever so often uh, with a guard to go and talk to youth groups. A uh, nice, attractive young man who had engaged in what we see way too often in our part of the world, drinking and driving, and he had killed a man. 
And he had been convicted. He was in prison serving out that sentence. But also in prison, he was converted. That really does happen in spite of our sometimes scoffing at it. And one of the ways he wanted to make amends was to go out and speak to other, well now he was older, but mostly teens, and tell them there is a penalty if you engage in that behavior. Now, I don't have any question God had forgiven this fellow. We're told the family of the dead person had too. I don't really know about that. But the penalty for what he had done is still there. And in some ways, I suspect that's the way it needs to be. Does God forgive us completely? You bet. And yet, and yet, sometimes there is a built-in penalty we just have to live with for a while. So the forgiveness of God always comes first. But it is of critical importance that we also learn to forgive others. And that starts with forgiving ourselves. Human beings have tried many ways to find forgiveness. Short of asking God, of course. You know, we'll do anything before we'll humble ourselves and go to God. That's just the way human beings are. But really, none of them works. There's an old T.S. Eliot play where a man who has not conducted himself as he should is sitting at home with his wife, brooding over what he's done, and he pours himself a good stiff drink, and he says, all right then, I'll just forgive myself. And he makes the sign of the cross and says, I'm forgiven. Well, you know and I know that's stupid. The audience knew it was stupid. Elliot knew it was stupid. He intended it to be stupid. It doesn't work like that. George Buttrick says, Our attempts at self-salvation always fail. We keep busy, but we find no peace. We try a long vacation, but unfortunately we must take ourselves on the journey. We hope that sin and remorse will die of old age only to find that one swift second of misery brings back all the past. I think that's one of the reasons there are so many people who at least rather secretively, hate themselves. Dislike intensely who they are because they recognize and live with their failures, their sins all the time. They've not been able to believe that God forgives them and therefore they cannot forgive themselves. And it is a miserable existence. And the folk I know who continue to wallow in that are usually not only miserable themselves, but they make everybody around them miserable too. Forgiving ourselves depends on taking God at His Word and believing that when we confess God is willing to not just forgive, but to make it as if it never was. But self-forgiveness may be one of the hardest of all the forgivenesses to find. 
Oftentimes, even when God has forgiven us, after we've asked and somehow even sort of believe that God has forgiven us, we can't let go. It's like the mistake you made that continues to haunt you. And every time you're ready to do something that is similar, that memory floods back. And you just can't let it go. I confessed my sins, I asked for forgiveness, and a few days later I did the same thing again and I went back and I confessed my sins again and again I thought God forgive me. But how many times is God going to do that? How many times can I keep doing the same thing and trust that God will forgive me and allow me to forgive myself? Well, that's the question, of course, that Peter and it's in all the Gospels, but Peter asks Jesus in the text today, how many times should I forgive a brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times. Well, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? The old, uh, the old law said that you should forgive a brother only three times. So seven is double plus one. That's pretty good. And of course, depending on which version of the Gospel you read, you not only get seven times, but 70 times seven, and really what it means is infinitely. There is no number. There is no limit. Jesus didn't mean, okay, so forgive him 490 times and then clobber him. That's not what he meant. But after we've forgiven somebody that much, learning to forgive ought to be habitual. And you know, there are some habits that are pretty good. And the habit of forgiveness is one of them. Would God ask us to do something more than He's willing to do for us? I don't think so. So, if God through Christ instructs us to forgive that many times, don't we believe that our credit limit with God is greater than we sometimes think? So what's the problem? Why is it that we can't forgive ourselves? Well, one person has suggested that it may just be a matter of pride. In spite of having heard and mostly believed this business about God's grace and forgiveness, at some level, we still want to be able to earn it. We still want to be able to be perfect enough to say, you see, God, I stood up to it that time. I deserve a little more credit. It hurts our pride when we discover we can't do it on our own. It hurts our pride when we realize that failings just continue and continue and continue. There's a conversational little book, and I'm pulling a piece out of it. It goes like this. The fellow is saying in a prayer, I've fallen, Lord, once more, and I can't go on. I'll never make it. I'm ashamed, and I don't dare look at you. And yet I struggled, Lord, for I knew you were near. I knew you were bending over me watching, but temptation came like a hurricane, and instead of looking at you, I turned my head away, and all of a sudden I found myself ashamed and disgusted with my sin in my hands. The sin I selected the way a customer makes a purchase. 
a sin I've paid for and cannot return. It sickens me and I don't want it anymore. Lord, don't look at me. I'm dirty and I'm broken. And then God responds, Come on, son, look up. Isn't it your pride that's mostly hurt? If you loved me, you would grieve, but you would also trust. Do you think there's a limit to God's love? Do you think for a moment that I have stopped loving you? Quit relying on yourself. You must rely on me. You remember, golly, it's been 15, 20 years ago now, there was a country western song. A guy named Aaron Baker wrote it. But it got sung by George Strait. And the refrain goes, let me tell you something about a father's love. I see a few heads shaking. Um, the secret that my daddy said was just between us. He said, daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. And it may seem a little trite. But if that's trite, I'll take it every single time. Why can't we forgive ourselves? Well, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's that we just don't believe enough that God really does love us sufficiently to forgive even that. So those are the first two pieces of forgiveness. Knowing that we need God to forgive us and then trusting that God will forgive us sufficiently so we can forgive ourselves. Next Sunday we'll begin to talk about forgiving each other. And that may be even harder than this. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.